And we are live. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Surprise Jab Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Ruger, surprising you with new topics every week and jabbing you with your daily dose of UFC information. And boy, do we have that as we're back with our second episode of UFC Extravaganza Galore. We had a special guest on the last episode earlier in the week, uh, Lexi Morley, my lovely girlfriend, and that was a very good episode. I encourage everyone to go listen to it. We went over so many things from Christianity, terminal disease, movies, the University of Minnesota. I mean, we covered a lot of topics. My longest podcast yet, actually. And I feel that we'll be able to top that on one of these UFC like specific podcasts where we're just going over UFC stuff because that's what we're covering today. We have so much. I am yet to give my post-event analysis of UFC Nashville, so we'll be diving into that today, as well as giving my preview and predictions for UFC Vegas 78. This weekend, Vicente Luque takes on Rafael Dos Anjos in the main event. The seventh season of Dana White's Contender Series kicked off this week. We'll be recapping that. I didn't. I only saw the finish. There was one finish. I saw all five people got contracts, so we'll cover those fights the best we can. Some new UFC 293 news broke on who the main event is. We'll get to that. Um, The recent episode of The Ultimate Fighter, episode 11, actually this upcoming one, episode 12, will be the season finale. And we'll find out, I think think we might find out next week, when McGregor is uh, fighting Chandler. I don't know if that's true, but we'll see. Um, some news on Ian Gary and his fight against Jeff Neal, the Logan Paul and uh, KSI event, as well as the rankings update. And of course, we are going to talk about that uh, Nate Diaz, Jake Paul boxing fight. So without ado, let's dive in. I hope everyone's having a wonderful, today's Thursday. This could either be up Thursday or Friday. So I just hope everyone's having an amazing week. That's just been good overall. And that you're ready to hear some UFC news. So the only thing surprising today will be just all the UFC knowledge you hear, and all my picks, my takes, and my thoughts on the world. All right, so starting us off, Dana White's Contender Series, the seventh season, and this is, if no one knows what Dana White's Contender Series is, it takes place on Tuesdays at the UFC Apex, and gosh, they usually do like six, seven, eight episodes, I don't know, but they basically take these up-and-comers, it's usually unknown talent, and they fight in front of Dana White, and he decides if he wants to give them a contract or not. And all these guys have, they're all either undefeated, one loss, two loss, three losses. So they're all very talented champions in other promotions, big up-and-comers. Some notable names who have come from the Contender Series that you may know is Jamal Hill, the current light heavyweight champion, although he is vacating the belt. He came from the Contender Series. Sean O'Malley, I believe, was on the first season of the Contender Series. You've also had Bo Nickel, uh, Raul Rosas Jr. fought on the Contender Series. I believe Dan Ige was from the Contender Series. Gosh, we could go down and just find a number of individuals who fought on the Contender Series. I was trying to find one more big one that um, someone might recognize. I I don't think Johnny Walker was on the Contender Series. I think he came from a promotion... Holton Almeida, Holton Almeida, yes. So he's a top 10 heavyweight, and he came from Dana White's Contender Series. So lots of big names have came from that. And we kicked off the seventh season, which in typical fashion, there's always a lot of decisions. There was one finish, so let's cover it. So 
First off, we had Peyton Talbot, who is 6-0 now. He beat Reyes Cortez Jr. by an decision. Reyes Cortez Jr., I believe, was the younger brother of Tracy Cortez, former flame of Brian Ortega and currently ranked number 14 in the women's flyweight division. Her younger brother, unfortunately, lost. Peyton landed a record 145 significant strikes for a contender series fight. And Reyes shot one for 17 on takedowns, was able to get two minutes and 53 seconds of control time, but a unanimous decision, 29-28 across the board for the scorecards. Congratulations to Peyton, and we have a new undefeated fighter going into the UFC, and I love undefeated fighters. They're, they make such... They make the fights more entertaining because you kind of realize, like, hey, this person's fighting to stay intact. And if they lose, then they're no longer undefeated. And they kind of lose some hype. It's just how the business goes. Moving on, we had Kevin Zawlarski. Zawlarski, he's Polish, it would appear. And he fought Kyle Machado. Kyle had a shutout on the scorecards, 30-27 across the board. 121 significant strikes. For Kyle, only 17 for Kevin. Gosh, Kevin goes 0 for 7 on takedowns, gets three and a half minutes of control time. But it looks like Kyle was striking with just ease against Kevin. The This was a heavyweight fight, so always nice to see new heavyweights get in the UFC. I believe they have under 35 heavyweights on the active roster. That's crazy. They probably have nearly double that for bantamweight, welterweight, lightweight, some of those main divisions. We also had the the only finish of the night went to Tom Nolan from Australia, who moves to six and zero, finishing Bogdan Grad. Bogdan Grad, interesting name. Bogdad reminds me of uh, oh gosh, what's his name? He the there's like two of them in the NBA. They're Bogdan's Bojanovic or whatever. It reminds me of those names. He um. I don't know what nationality he is, but Tom Nolan knocks him out in a minute and 23 seconds. He landed two knockdowns in that time. Uh, Bogdan only landed two total strikes, two significant strikes, and it just looked like domination from Tom. And I actually saw the knockout, and it was pretty nasty. He um, actually knocked Bogdan clean out. So from only seeing that finish, I can say without a doubt he deserved a contract. And Lightweight has a new guy in Tom Nolan. We also... Had Caesar Almeida. This was in the, this was in the main event. But ESPN has like the first fight listed as the top, so I read it from the bottom up. But well, we'll talk about the main event then. The first fight that started the card: Caesar Almeida beats Lucas Fernando by unanimous decision, 29-28, 29-27, and thirty twenty six for the scorecards. It would appear that Lucas was takedown heavy, going three for ten on takedowns. Caesar had 5 minutes, 43 seconds of control time. Lucas, four, 5 minutes, 44 seconds. So over 11 minutes of this fight, actually over 12 minutes of this fight, was fought on the ground or in the clinch. Would appear Caesar got the better of the striking. That's what won him the fight. Who knows? I, I honestly don't know what happened. I was busy. I actually think, well, Tuesday we were actually recording. We were actually recording episode 12 of this podcast. So we did not have time for that. And what um, I thought was the main event, but I actually opened the card. Kevin Borjas beat Victor Diaz in flyweight. He moves to 9-1 for Kevin. Uh, he had double the significant strikes. Fended off a bunch of takedowns. Did get taken down five times, though. 7 minutes, 57 seconds of control time for Victor Diaz. But Kevin Borjas gets the unanimous decision. Nod. 
do they have week two? They don't have week two revealed yet, but I'll try and do like pre um Danwitz Contender Series reviews. However, they didn't I, I just was busy and I after last season's very bad opening where Joe Pfeiffer was the only one to get a contract, I wasn't super high on watching this. However, week two is usually where it starts to pick up. Danwitz Contender Series, very entertaining. I personally enjoy it. We'll have to catch some future episodes when they come out. Tracking, tracking, tracking along to our next subject. Another UFC event that they have on Tuesdays, the Ultimate Fighter episode 11 aired. I was able to catch the fight between Jason Knight and Kurt Hollibaut, but other than that, I didn't catch the actual episode and stuff. I do know they had a coach's challenge. They do a coach's challenge every season, and so Car McGregor and Michael Chandler are going head-to-head. In a challenge, this one was an ice bath where they ask UFC questions. I might have to go back and re-watch it. But from what Dana said, because he was complaining about the UFC production team and why they put on, they were in the ice bath for over 30 minutes. And that did not make Dana happy because of the health risks of it. And Dana does not want to get sued. I doubt he would. They're both company guys. However... He wasn't happy with it, but other than that, I did not catch anything else of the episode. Kurt Hollibaugh, um, I believe he knocked out Jason Knight in round two, I believe it was. It was either round two or three. Now I should say Kurt will take on Austin Hubbard in the lightweight finale. Good for him, man. Good for Kurt to find his way back to the UFC. I mean, I would say it was a bloody fight. Probably the best one of the season so far. I mean, they were really cracking each other. You could hear the hits. Throwing hard kicks, throwing hard punches. Good job, Kurt. And I honestly did not expect it to be down to Kurt versus Austin Hubbard. I um, I expect Austin Hubbard to make it this far, but not Kurt. And I probably will be riding with Austin Hubbard for their uh, showdown. I, um, I believe it's UFC 292 in Boston. Yes, that is where it will be going down. The other fight for episode 12 will be Cody Gibson from Team Chandler take on the only official winner from Team McGregor, and that is, oh my gosh, my like Rico DeCilio. And the winner of that gets to take on Brad Katona. So I'm really rooting for Rico in that one, but we'll see how Cody Gibson does. I believe Rico's hometown is Boston, so that would be super cool. Don't quote me on that. We'll be tuning in for that Tuesday. So Tuesday's jam-packed. But I believe that this was just kind of a transition phase because we lose the Ultimate Fighter next week and we have Danwich Contender Series until like September, October, which is very nice because I love UFC and having it during the week is always exciting. So early prediction, I'm going to go with Rico DeCilio by knockout because I can and I I just want him to win. Uh, Nothing personal against Cody, just rocking with Rico, Team McGregor guy. Speaking of uh, Boston, um, I, the Irish, you know, Car McGregor, we did have a big fight coming up at UFC 292 between Ian Gary and Jeff Neal in the welterweight division. Uh, if you did not know, Ian Gary was ranked 13 and Jeff Neal was ranked 8. However, Jeff Neal pulled out yesterday, I believe it was, so he would have pulled out on Wednesday the 9th. Today's the 10th, so on the 9th or 8th of August, Jeff Neal pulled out of his fight. Ian Gary devastated. I saw the video. He was pissed off calling um, Jeff Neal the B-word and such. 
But we do have someone stepping in to save the day on 10 days notice. Neil Magny ranked number 11. So two spots ahead of Ian Gary will be taking him on at Boston. They must have paid uh, Neil pretty good money. And this is a fight Ian Gary calm asked for after he won his fight in May against Daniel Rodriguez. And he was given Jeff Neal. But, you know, I like Neil Magny. It's a big challenge for him. Another step up. And I'll obviously be picking him to win. Probably by unanimous decision, as I can't really see Neil getting knocked out. But maybe he will. Very happy that this fight has been salvaged. Ian Gary, man, he is like 13-0. and 0. He's he's the he's the future of the welterweight division. He's one of those future guys. Him, Hamzat, Shavkat, Sean Brady, you got Jack Del Malena. All these guys coming up in the welterweight division. Super fun fighter for sure. He only, I know he has a finish in his last fight. I know he had to finish his debut. I've kind of forgotten about the middle ones. Actually, yes, he finished Song Kinnan. I remember that. So Ian Gary, very fun fighter. Happy that he will. Not be off the card because UFC, actually UFC 292 is pretty strong. Two title fights. I mean, Marlon Vera's on there. You got Cody Garvin on the card. It lost, What fight did it lose? Oh, it lost Cejudo. Henry Cejudo was supposed to be on the card. However, he had to pull out. Henry Cejudo. Such a troll, Henry. I don't, I don't know why he came back, personally. I don't know what he has left to achieve. I don't think he's going to win the belt. And honestly, the closer we get, I've picked Sean, Mal- Sean O'Malley, but Aljamain Sterling, man, you can only sleep on him so much. I feel, I feel he looks in good shape, too. I saw a video of him training. Aljamain Sterling is in peak shape for his fight with uh, Sean O'Malley. Speaking of the next big pay-per-view after UFC 292, UFC 293, we actually have the official main event. That is right. It broke, what was it, Yes, two, two days ago? Something like that. It broke on August 8th that Israel Asanya will, in fact, be fighting Sean Strickland in Australia, in Sydney, I believe it is. Sydney, Australia. This is the fight that I feel everyone thought was going to happen. Number five ranked Sean Strickland will be taking on the number five pound for pound fighter in Israel Adesanya. And here's how the main card is looking at the moment. I know there's still some time. It doesn't go down until September 10th. So we do have a month. However, we have Adesanya and Sean Strickland. The co-main event is confirmed as Tai Tuivasa versus Alexander Volkov. Heavyweight division. Those two are very good. Tai Tuivasa from Australia, from that region. Volkov from Russia. Flyweight fight between Kai Kara France, hometown of uh, the Australia region, and Manel Cape. That's a good fight. Right now it has Jamie Mularkey versus John McDessie listed. I don't see that being main card. Carlos Ulberg versus Jung Daun Jung. That could be a main card fight. Carlos Ulberg coming up in the light heavyweight division. Very fun fighter. And I mean, Justin Taffa, Austin Lane. Very excited to see that fight. Tyson Pedro's back in Anton College. Jack Jenkins will be taking on Chepe Mariscal. We're going to have fun watching that fight. And I believe they could do uh, Casey O'Neill. Oh, wait. Casey O'Neill actually pulled out of her fight against Viviana Rujo. So Jennifer Maya will be taking in. Taking on. um, uh, Jennifer Maya will be taking on Viviana Rujo at a different fight night. So I don't know what they're going to do. But we have three solid fights. Four solid fights, actually. For this card. I'm not worried. And Adesanya versus Strickland. The trash talk is going to be ridiculous. 
ridiculous for that fight. I don't even know what to expect from that. I don't, because a part of me thinks that Asanya will just run through Sean Strickland, but another part of me is like, okay, Sean's made it up to this point. He has one loss at middleweight to Alex Pajera. Other than that, he's looked great against everybody. So it'll be tough to say. I think it's a deserved title shot. And I mean, no one really wants to see a Jared Cannonier rematch. I know, I know, I don't. No offense, Jared, but no, no one really wants to see you fight again. Driscus was not available. I think I think I heard the UFC actually wanted to do Jury Prohaska versus Alex Pajera at this event for the light heavyweight belt. But Bull said that was too soon. And I mean, Whitaker just lost, Vittori just lost. So this was the only fight to make. Good on this fight. I might go with Adesanya round one knockout. I'm feeling very ambitious about Adesanya here, but we'll see. We'll see. I don't want to get ahead of myself. However, Adesanya does does feel like he's on top of the world. He's super cocky, and Sean's, Sean's just the type of guy to light a fire under him for this fight. Speaking of fire, UFC Nashville, very interesting fight. There were some fire, building off of that word, moments of the card. We're going to do a post- event analysis right now. I usually do them right after the event. However, stuff's just happened and we haven't had time. So let's dive into the whole card. I mean, a lot went on and this is one of the first episodes, I think, of the podcast where we're doing a post-event and a pre-event analysis on the same card. So same card, same episode. So this could be a long one. However, I'll try and keep it not too long. So without, ado, without a doubt, let's dive into UFC Nashville. A sold-out uh, crowd at the UFC Nashville event. It was very exciting, and I actually was able to catch a majority of it. I caught the whole main card. I did not, Actually, I caught the whole main card except the prelims. So I actually did not catch a majority, majority of the card, but I saw all the finishes, and all the finishes actually got performance bonuses. I mean, there were only... Out of the what? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Out of the 12 fights... Five were finishes, so Dana was feeling generous, throwing $250,000 out there, which I love to see. I mean, some debuting guy got a um, got fifty k. That just feels great for you. I, I love that. So, how did we do? We go 3-3 three and three on the main card predictions for the prelims. Gosh, what did we go? We went like 2-2, two 2-3. And two, two and I think we went 3-3 three and three for that, too, so we split the whole card. Uh, officially, we are 84 and 54 on our main card picks for the year, and for all time, we are 454 and 331 since 2020. Unofficially, as you know, stuff happens all the time. So, we start off the card in the flyweight division with the debuting Asu Almabayev. Very fancy name. I, I love that name. Nickname is Zulfakar. Wow. Wow, that's an intimidating name. And from the get-go, he was in control. Goes one for one on takedowns in the first round. Three minutes and 23 seconds of control time. I mean, Ode for this whole fight had eight total strikes, four significant strikes. Asu was in complete control. Wraps up a rear naked choke in uh, the second round. And gets a win in your debut. And I feel super good for him. I mean, holds this kid. He's 29, I think. Young in a flyweight division that desperately needs new fighters. So, I mean, I don't really want to send this guy straight to the top. But good win for him. We'll see where he goes next. I mean, I would say he could fight Cody Durden, who also won on this event. But Cody's actually probably going up in the rankings. So, 
Anyways, good for Asu Almabayev. I like your name. I'll definitely be picking him next time. I thought Ode would do good with his reach. Clearly, Ode Osborne is not that good. He now falls to a... Uh, gosh, what is he? He's actually 5 and... F he's 4 and 4 in the UFC. 4 and 4. I give him one more fight. If he wins, kick him. If he... If he wins, kick him. If he loses, give him the boot. If he wins, keep him. I actually saw that the Lazy King, Abdul Adumabe, he's some French fighter, I believe, super good, holds two belts in one of their divisions, was calling for the UFC to sign him. I know Joaquin Buckley wanted the UFC to sign him to fight him. Ended up signing with the PFL. So a big signing by PFL there. Look him up, the Lazy King. His name is like oh, A B D O U L Abdul Abdul Mabe. Looks super good from the stuff I've seen him in. He might be undefeated, might not be. A big miss by the UFC, but a big W by them was Derek Lewis signing. I repeat, an eight-fight new deal. That's crazy. That is crazy. They got Derek Lewis for eight more fights. Eight more fights. Oh my gosh, this is this is kind of drawing right into our post UFC Nashville, but just it's coming to my mind. So I was thinking, you know, Derek Lewis is currently ranked number ten. Eight fight deal. All right, I say he could fight. He could fight Marcin Tibera, Dresinger Rosenstroke. I mean, he could fight on an unranked heavyweight on the come up. Gets a win there. Let's send him up. Let's have him rematch Alexander Volkov, win or lose against Tyree Vasa. All right, then Derek Lewis could move up in the top ten. Then let's have him fight. Oh, actually, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. You know, I was trying to make a way for Derek Lewis to get back to a title shot. I'm not going to rule it out, but eight more fights on his deal. I love it. Which means that they definitely threw, they they conjured up a contract quickly before the PFL could offer anything against Francis Ngannou. Which actually, I've, I've been hearing for that Francis Ngannou-Tyson Fury card that Fedor Emilienko wants to box Mike Tyson. I kid you not. I kid you not. What a crazy world we live in. Uh, falling off track, we'll get back on it with our second prelim fight of the night. Sean Woodson beats Dennis Bazookja, uses the takedowns, gets 5 minutes, 52 seconds of control time. 30-27 of them across the board. I mean, he just outstruck him, beat him in every department. Tough debut for Dennis. I mean, you would fall in the contender series twice, finally get your shot, lose to Sean Woodson. I would not be discouraged. However, from what I heard is that Sean Woodson had a very unimpressive win. I mean, he's now on a four-fight unbeaten streak. Three wins, one draw in that time period. And in his UFC run in general, he only has one loss, and that is a round three dar stroke to Julian Arosa in a fight he was doing very good in. So I feel Sean Woodson is very talented, but he just he doesn't look talented in his fights. He wins, but you're kind of just like, he didn't do anything that blew me away. Good win for you, Sean. You'll move up in the featherweight division. I mean, I don't really know who you could fight. Who did Alex Caceres just beat? Dale Pineda? How about Sean Woodson versus Daniel Pineda? I like that fight. It's always the recent fighters that you can easily match make with one another. Keeping along with this card, we move into um, Cody Durden beating Jake Hadley in the flyweight division. Wow, they talked a lot of trash. Jake Hadley certainly a very cocky, confident fighter, but he had to eat it this time. He gets 30-27, got outstruck, got out-controlled. I mean, four for six on takedowns for Cody, zero for three for Jake. Seven and a half minutes of control time for Cody, two minutes for Jake Hadley as Cody gets the win. And when we talk about the UFC rankings update, Cody's now ranked, actually, at flyweight. Good for him. As for Jake Hadley, you have something to prove, man. 
All right? Because I know that people did not want him, the UFC brass, that is, the UFC head-ups, did not want him signed after winning on the Contender Series, but Dana gave him a shot, and then he proceeded to actually lose in his debut, which was hilarious. He would then pick up two finishes, but then lost in similar fashion here. For having good takedowns, which I saw in the Contender Series, I mean... He's now been outgrappled in both of his losses pretty badly, and that's why he's lost. So I think Jake just needs to work on that. But this, the, this, we're not even going to give Jake the time of day because Corey Durden is now on a four-fight win streak, which is just crazy. Four-fight win streak at flyweight, and he'll be taking on a top 15 guy next. So all credit to Cody. Happy for him. Happy for the next guy, too, as in... Um, Gosh, this wasn't our headline prelim. No, it was the fourth fight on the prelims as Billy Quarantillo beats Damon Jackson. Billy landing 100 significant strikes. Whew. That is like the... If you include the Contender Series, that is now the one, two, three, fourth. The fourth time Billy's landed over 100 significant strikes in a three-round fight. He's able to fend off... Um, he, he didn't fend off the grappling of Damon Jackson, but he was able to not let it... Dis, uh, disgrace him, discourage him from getting the win. I mean, Damon's nickname is the Leech. He likes to grapple you. Billy's able to avoid that and a big bounce back win for him after getting brutally knocked out by Edson Barbosa. Happy to see him get the win, and he just moves on in the featherweight division. And just from looking at the card, I mean, you could do Billy Cornillo versus Sean Woodson. I would like it that fight too. Moving on to our second finish of the night, actually. Getting a performance most. Jeremy Wells loses to Carlston Harris. Wow. Jeremy Wells. This is the perfect definition of this is your fight to lose. And he lost it. Carlston Harris now on a two-fight win streak. Jeremy Wells gets his four-fight win streak snapped in the UFC. But man, this was a very, very bad fight to lose for Jeremy Wells. Round one. Two for two on takedowns. Four minutes and 24 seconds in control time. There was under 40 seconds this fight. There was 36 seconds. Jeremy Wells was not in control of this round. Carlson Harris lands no significant strikes. Moving into round two. Four minutes and 34 seconds of control time on one takedown. 26 seconds of round number two. Jeremy Wells was not in control. Carlson Harris lands one significant strike. Carlson then goes, okay, I've already done nothing this whole fight. Let me Darce choke. Jeremy Wells is able to wrap him up on the ground and Anaconda chokes him. What a comeback win for Crosshairs. I understand he wasn't really getting beat down on, but for being brutally down two rounds, you come back and win. I mean, he had five significant strikes the whole fight and managed to win. I, all credit to you, Carlson Harris. You're now no longer the guy that's shown in highlight reels. Oh, yeah, that's the guy Shafkar Rachmanov spinning back kicked. But good for you. I don't really know what's next for him. Truly, I mean, Walter White's such a diverse group of fighters. I'm just happy he's able to get the win. I do feel bad for Jeremy. Not Jeremy. Jeremiah Wells, that is. 36 years old. Was on a win streak. Now he's not. Hey, there's always other fights in the welterweight division for him. What about Jeremy Wells and Joaquin Buckley? Or Cross Harris, Joaquin Buckley. You know, I can always think of fights for them. Our headline prelim was starred by Kyler Phillips and Rayoni Barcelos. Kyler lands a knockdown in round one. Rione lands a takedown. Kyler's able to outstrike him. Round two, Kyler's outstriking him. And round three, much closer. But Kyler gets the 
29, 28, 29, 28, 30, 27. Unanimous decision. Good for you, Kyler. Good for you getting a win at Bantamweight. And I don't doubt that both these guys could hang with the top 15. However, Ryone's just suffered too many losses. That's out of the question for him. Kyler, I think you could still make a run at the title. Just keep picking up some wins. I mean, what's he on now? He's on a little two-fight win streak here. Has one loss in the UFC. So he's now 5-1 and one in the UFC. And he actually came off of Season 1 of the Contender Series. His most notable win is over Song Ye Dong in March 2021. Hey, good for him. Ryan Barcelos, another good name to have on the resume. But we've wasted enough of our time in the prelims. We always stay in the prelims so long. And I haven't watched, like, all the prelims. Because I've watched a full card before. I haven't watched a full card in a long time. I've just been busy. You know, it's hard to sit there for six, seven hours and watch UFC. But we were able to watch the main card. It's kicking us. I mean, we go three for three. So, I mean, actually, it wasn't the best main card. But we finished 2-0 and in the co-main and main. So, I was happy. Kicking us off, Ludwig Klein returning to take on Ignacio Bahamides. And Ignacio was on a three-fight win streak, man. He was doing so good. And he just runs into Ludwig Klein here. Ludwig outstrikes him 56, significant strikes to 43, and lands three takedowns, which was the difference for six minutes and five seconds of control time. I mean, round one, it was very close, but Ludwig just outstruck him. He doubled his significant strikes, tripled his total strikes, and just had some control time on the fence. Round two, Ignacio was doing good on the feet. I'd say if he won any round, it would have been round two. However, two takedowns for Ludwig for a minute of control time managed to make the difference. And in round three, Ludwig lands one takedown for two minutes of control time, which sealed him the fight. Good for you, Ludwig. I was sad because, you know, I think Ignacio is very talented. But there's clearly a hole in your game plan when you're getting outgrappled by Ludwig Klein. So all credit to Ludwig winning in the lightweight division. He can find a number of people. We'll, we'll, we'll see who they decide to have him fight next. And I'm actually very surprised at the next fight at how it played out. Tanner Bozer beats Alexa Kilmer Kamur in the light heavyweight division and avoids getting cut. Tanner was on the verge of getting cut without a doubt for this fight. And he manages to win win at the buzzer, per se. Not in the fight, though. He controlled the whole fight, outstriking Alexa. 120 significant strikes to 68 significant strikes. And total strikes had 145 to 105. Five minute, five and a half minutes of control time, actually, for Tanner. A minute for Alexa. This was all from clinch work and just holding on him. Tanner now moves to two and four in his last six. Avoids getting cut. And will remain in the UFC. As for Alexa, he's now on a three-fight losing streak. Unfortunate results in all those fights. I don't know how much longer he's going to be around. He had returned after over two years off. And unfortunately, he gets beat by Tanner Bozer. I thought he was going to do good. I thought Tanner Bozer sucked. I had picked him to beat Ayan Kudalaba the last time out. And he had failed, so I was upset and didn't pick him. But oh well. It, it happens. All right. But let's move into the first fight I predicted right on the main card. And probably my favorite performance of the night. As Diego Lopez submits Gavin Tucker in a minute and 38 seconds into round one. Oh, man. So if anyone doesn't know who Diego Lopez is, he stepped in on very short notice. I'm talking under a week to fight Mozafar Evlov. And put up a fight. Earned fight of the night at UFC 288 in May of 2023 this year. 
And following that up, he beats Gavin Tucker. And here's the thing. Gavin shot for a takedown on a guy with a crazy guard. And I don't know if he didn't watch the right tape on him from the most of our fight where he just kept throwing up submissions. But this is exactly what happened. He shoots for a takedown, ends up his guard, and Diego Lopez straps in a triangle choke, goes for an armbar, and decides, oh, wait. Why would I go for a triangle choke? Why would I go for an armbar when I can go for a triangle armbar? And he submits him. Good job, Diego. Oh, man, I was I was so gassed to see him win. By the way, man, you guys got a good one here. And honestly, looking at the card, Sean Woodson, Billy Cortillo, both excellent opponents, opponents next for Diego Lopez. And as for Gavin Tucker, I mean, Damon Jackson, Dennis Bazookja. I mean, I like looking at cards. And I feel like it's so easy to matchmake from looking at who fought on the card together. I know that's not really how it works, but that's how I like to make it work. And as for Gavin Tucker, I mean, here's a guy who was 12. Actually, no, he was 13-1 and one after he beat Billy Quarantillo in 2020. His only other loss had been to Ricky Glenn in 2017. He's now on a two-fight skid. I got knocked out by Dan Ige in round one in 2021. Has now been submitted by Diego Lopez. So I don't really know what's next for Gavin. I think maybe him versus Damon Jackson could be a fight to make. But Diego Lopez earns my personal performance of the night. I know they gave out multiple performance bonuses. This was my performance of the night. That's right. I'm putting it over the next two fights we're going to talk about. In the light heavyweight division, Dustin Jacoby knocks out Kenny and Chukwu in a minute and 22 seconds into round one. That's right. A minute and 22 seconds in. And Kennedy's three-fight finish streak has been snapped. Ha, oh, man, I was very sad at this. I actually saw sad that Dustin had like an insane number of round one knockouts, and I'm like, well, that doesn't matter. Well, it did. I, th I thought Kennedy was so good. He was complaining about the stoppage. I mean, I was kind of mad right when he stopped it, but that's only because I picked Kennedy. It was not a bad stoppage. Kennedy got knocked down, wasn't even, de even defending himself. You can hear my displeasure in my in my voice. Dustin, back in the wing column. And now, since his return to the UFC in 2020, not including the Contender Series, he now has four round one knockouts and is a staggering 8-2 and 1. The 1 is a draw. And his only two losses are to Khalil Roundtree Jr. and Azmat Mirzakhanov who are actually ranked just above him at 13 and 11 in the light heavyweight rankings. Dustin, currently at 15. I'll give a spoiler before we talk about UFC rankings after this. He did not make a move past Alonzo Menfield, but I do like Dustin Jacoby versus Alonzo Menfield or Dustin Jacoby versus Dominic Reyes. I like both of those fights. Man, very upset that Kennedy lost. He was on a three-fight win streak. I mean, he had big wins over Ayan Kudalaba and Devin Clark. And I where his chin had never been an issue. I understand he lost to Dawoon Jung back in 2021, but before that, he'd been doing good. I don't know. Poor Kenny. Back to the drawing board. I'd actually like to see Kenny fight Jimmy Crute. I feel like that could be a firefight. But you know what? I will give congratulations to Dustin Jacoby. Still kicking it, and I'd like to see him fight up in his next fight. And I'll tell you who's fighting up in her next fight, Tatiana Suarez. That's right. In the co-main event in the women's strawweight division, Tatiana Suarez finishes Jessica Andrade by guillotine choke a minute and a half into round number two. I was super happy. All right. I just, I'd fallen into to one and three in my main card predictions. I just watched Keddy get knocked out and Tatiana lit a fire under me. Dominates 
D-O-M-I-N-A-T-S. Put me in a spelling bee. Dominates. Jessica Andrade. Look good standing up. Outstrikes her in round number one. Lands one takedown for a minute and 38 seconds control time. Round number two goes two for two on takedowns. Locks in a nasty guillotine. Jessica Andrade tried to fight it, but just could not get out of it. She drops down into guard after trying to shake her off of sorts. And Tatiana gets the finish. And man, oh man, she made some jumps. We'll talk about her rankings jumps j- just in a second, right after we talk about the main event. And I'm gonna, I'm, I'm just going to let you know when we talk about who she's going to be fighting next. She is either a fight away from a title shot. Or they could give her the next title shot. Super excited to see what's next for Tatiana Suarez. As for Jessica, okay, so for Tatiana, she's now 11-0. Seven-fight win streak in the UFC. Five of those finishes. Back-to-back round two, performance bonus guillotine chokes for her. Very good stuff. But as for Jessica Andrade, on a three-fight losing streak, she's been finished in all three fights. And I did not see this coming. Where did this come from? So Jessica Andrade. After falling to Valentina Shevchenko in 2021 for the flyweight championship. Finishes Cynthia Cavillo in round number one in 2021 in September. Follows it up with an April 2022 round one standing arm, tri- standing arm triangle first in UFC history against Amanda Lemos in a main event. Then earlier this year at UFC 283 in January, she lands 231 significant strikes in a three round fight against Lauren Murphy. That's insane. That's a record. That is a record for so many different things. She then takes a short nose fight against Aaron Blanchfield, gets rear naked chokeholded in round number two. She then decides, okay, I'll wait. I'll, I'll take. I'll take. I'll take. Gosh, what she she took three months off. Comes back in May, gets knocked out by Jan Chayone in two minutes into round one, and now gets finished by Tatiana Suarez. I'll I'll speak in a bit about what's next for Jessica Andrade. But it is certainly lesser competition. Okay, she has not lost him. A killer at flyweight and two killers at strawweight. So, Jessica Andrade, you've managed to boost up three women, but you have boosted yourself down. You're setting back the women's rights movement. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No one canceled me. No one canceled me. That was a bad joke. That was a bad joke, but... Very happy for Tatiana. We'll talk about what's next for her, but let's... uh, I would get super excited for the main event because I picked the correct fighter. But, I mean, it was a very, very dull main event, to say the least. Corey Sanhagen beats Rob Font across the board. 50-45 zone, beats him in all five rounds. Let me read you these stats. All right, so you would think Corey Sanhagen, they're showing, they're showing highlights of him landing flying knees. I mean, him landing insane knockdowns. I mean, spinning back kick knockdowns. Corey Sanhagen... Out significant strikes, Rob Font, 34 to 9. Out total strikes, him 132 to 25. Lands 7 of 7 takedowns for 19 minutes and 38 seconds. Absolutely insane. Corey Sanhagen turned into freaking Khabib. It was Khabib Sanhagen out there. Corey Nurmagomedov. I mean, just going full Dagestani wrestling. And I mean... The control time, 2 minutes 43 seconds in round 1, 4 minutes 41 seconds round 2, 3 minutes 43 seconds round 3, 4 minutes 41 seconds again in round 4, and 3 minutes and 50 seconds in round number 5. In round 1, Rob landed 5 significant strikes. Round 2, 0. Round 3, 4. 
Round four, zero significant strikes. Round five, zero significant strikes. I understand Rob took this on short notice, but he got his you-know-what beat. And as for Sanhagen, I mean, unfortunately for him, a very bad performance. This might be in a good performance as Dana White left the building, which is kind of insulting. He said he's he wants a title shot next. He won't take anything else. That's not the case. He will be taking something else. I assume he'll be fighting, gosh, Marab. I assume Marab for the vacant belt if Aljamain wins. He could also fight Henry Cejudo. And, I mean, he could even fight Sean O'Malley. So, you will not be fighting for the belt next. I, I unfortunately let, will say that after just out grappling someone for five rounds. The crowd was booing. They were not happy with it. But Sanhagen didn't care. And he also injured his tricep in the first round. And that sounds very painful from someone who works out and trains their tricep. I would not want that to uh, to tear. Ugh. Icky. Good for Corey. He gets a win, and he now moves to... He's actually on a little three-fight win streak now. He's turned to a grappler. He outgrappled Marlon. Used some grappling against Song Yadong. Went over-grappled against Rob Font. Rob Font, despite coming off a win over Adrian Yanez, does fall to 1-3 and three in his last four. And he now falls to 1-3 and three in main events. And this is the first main event where... He just got brutally outgrappled. I mean, everyone else had just tried to stand with him. Jose Aldo, Marlon Vera, Cody Garbrandt. But Corey Sanhagen was like, I'm taking no risks. I'm just going to outgrapple you. So Corey Sanhagen gets it done. And that was the Nashville card. Kind of ends on a dull note. But shout out to our five our five people who got finishes. Asu Almabayev with a round two rear naked chokehold. Carlston Harris with a comeback and a conda choke in round number three. Diego Lopez with an impressive round one triangle armbar. Dustin Jacoby with an unfortunate uh, dominant knockout punch in round number one. And Tatiana Suarez with a dominant guillotine choke in round number two. They all take home 50K. Very happy for all of them. And hey, you know, even if we went 500, 3-3 three and three on our main card picks, even 3-3 three and three on the prelims, 6-6 six and six overall, I'm happy with how, how it went. I just don't like when I go like 2-4 and four or 1-5 and five on these main cards. I'm perfectly okay with three and three, especially when the main event goes my way. That that usually puts me in a good mood. So the rankings. We'll 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 delve into the rankings because we've been waiting to incorporate them. So the rankings updated Tuesday, August. Gosh, what would that have been? August eighth, I believe. There were a couple updates in flyweight. Cody Durden is now ranked number fifteen. Tim Elliott actually passes Manel Cape up to nine. As for what I'd like to see next for Cody Durden, Sumadarji. Or Steve Ursic. I like both those fights for Cody Durden. On a four-fight win streak, give him give him a ranked opponent, for goodness sake. At Featherweight. Oh, as for Tim Elliott, I, I believe he's fighting Mohamed Mokayev at UFC 294. And Mel Cape is obviously fighting Kaikar France at UFC 293. In the Featherweight division, Bryce Mitchell passes Sodiq Yusuf. Sodiq has a fight with Edson Barbosa coming up. I don't... Oh, Bryce has a fight with Danny Gate coming up. Okay. Pretty random adjustment there, but we'll mention it. Uh, nothing in the main, I call them the main four, lightweight, welterweight, middleweight, light heavyweight. Nothing in any of those divisions. Nothing at heavyweight either, but in the women's division. Erin Blanchfield moves up to six. She's now tied with Carlos Barza for six in the women's pound for pound. Tatiana Suarez jumps six spots to number nine. Jan Chayonen also moves up to number eight. Jessica Andrade falls four spots to number 12. Amanda Limos falls, Limos falls two spots to number 14, and Mara Bueno Silva falls down to 15. 
Congratulations to Tatiana Suarez moving into the top 10 in the women's pound for pound. And she jumps six spots in the women's flyweight rankings. She's now the number four ranked contender. She passed the current woman, Alanda Lemos, who will be fighting Zhang Weili at UFC 292 in 10 days. So she just, just passed the actual number one contender. Yeah, I use, I'm doing the hand quotation marks, you know, because even though Amanda is ranked number five, she's fighting for the belt. That's just how the UFC goes. As for what's next for Tatiana, I could maybe see a Carlos Spars rematch. I think Rose is leaving the division. She's fighting Man and Fiorat in Paris, September 3rd. Yan Cheonin, I think they're trying to save Yan Cheonin for a China event if Zhang Weili beats Amanda Limos. But if Amanda Limos beats um if Amanda Limos beats Zhang Weili, I have no doubt in my mind they'll give Tatiana the title shot. Very happy for her. Also in women's flyweight, Caitlin Chukagian passes Jessica Andrade, moving from five. Moving from six to five. Jessica Andrade is now ranked six. As for what's next for Jessica, look, I say Jessica Andrade goes back to flyweight. They either feed her to Macy Barber, or they actually give her a bounce-back fight against someone like Andrea Lee, Tracy Cortez. Or, if she wants to say it's strawweight, which she very could, Tabitha Ritchie, Luiana Panero, Marina Rodriguez, I mean. Have her fight down. She, she's been brutalized. Cut, cut her some slack. As for light heavyweight, I mean, I think I mentioned that I wanted Dustin Jacoby to fight someone like Dominic Reyes or Alonzo Menfield. And as for bantamweights, I mean, I think I mentioned that. Corey Sanhagen, I think he should fight Marab. I think that fight makes sense. As for Rob Font, he's now at 7. I think the Song Dong fight, which was originally supposed to take place at UFC 292, I think you could still do that fight next. Because Song Dong, I don't think, has a fight planned. So, that's UFC Nashville. That's also the UFC rankings update. It was... I, I don't want to use the term bad. I don't want to use the term bad, but it, it was a decent... It was a decent event. We're back to the Apex now this Saturday, August 12th, for Vegas, uh, UFC Vegas 78. The 78th event at the Apex. Oh my gosh, that's insane. That is actually insane, guys. And was this, 2020, 2021? In the fourth year of the employing events at the Apex, this is their 78th event. That is absolutely nuts. That's absolutely nuts. All right. But that's all we got for uh, Nashville. We're going to end the episode on um, UFC Vegas 78 making our picks. But I did want to talk about the other event we had Saturday night. If anyone caught it. Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz, which was a very, very interesting uh, card to say the least. I only caught the main event, which was Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz. But on Verdict, I always mention Verdict, I place in the top 25%. I go four for six on my picks. So we'll actually cover it. We'll cover the card a bit. Talk about the main event. Right now. Well, right now. I'm not even going to take a break. I'm just going to dive right in. So for everyone wondering, Alan Sanchez beats Angel Beltran by unanimous decision. I don't know who either of those boxers are. It was on the main card. I put all my XP on it, and Alan won. So that's how I place in the top 25% on Verdict. Shadasia Green defeats Olivia Curry by unanimous decision. Shadasia won all 10 rounds. 10 in Ozer. Oof. My goodness. That, that's very impressive. Uh, we had one finish on the whole card as H2O Silve defeats William Silva by round four. Knockout. Good for him. 
I didn't see the knockout or know who he is, but I'll give you credit. I will give you credit where credit is due. The other fight that I did not predict correctly, uh, I didn't predict Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz correctly, and I thought Jeremy Stevens was good, but Chris Avila beats him by unanimous decision. He wins uh, five rounds to one. Jeremy Stevens only won one round. Ugh. Jeremy Stevens just loses everything. Good for Chris Avila. I don't. I don't really care. I just think it's hilarious that Jeremy Stevens just cannot win at anything. And the co-main event, Amanda Sereno wins every single round against Heather Hardy, retains her woman's boxing belt. And, you know, she could be having some MMA fights in the PFL. The PFL has been going crazy. She's been go It's been going crazy with everything that's been going on. They've been doing so many good signings. Uh, they may be buying Bellator. I know Bellator is doing their 300th event, which they're going all out for. And I think if they have the PFL by Bellator, they'll just have their fighters. I, I here's here's my opinion on the Bellator PFL merger. If that happens, I I think that Bellator will still put on fights, but it'll be under the PFL banner, and you'll have PFL fighters on those events, Bellator fighters in the league. So you can not only expand to even more weight classes, more fighters in those weight classes, but you can do like how Bellator's doing Bellator three hundred. You could do like. PFL, uh, and just call it whatever city you're in. And do an event for that with more champions of sorts. That's my view on it, but we'll, we'll see We'll see if that ever happens. You know, Scott Scott Coker is the owner of um, Bellator. I don't, I don't know how he's feeling about selling it. I mean, Bellator is kind of a dying MMA promotion. PFL is a rising MMA promotion, and they both can't compete with one. One is so popular in um, Eastern Europe, Asia. Good, good, good on the PFL signs. Amanda Serrano and her sister. I don't even know what her sister's name is, but yeah, Amanda picks up the win. I, I, I picked her to win because she seemed dominant. So, the main event: Jake Paul wins by unanimous decision. Obviously, I had a feeling Jake was gonna win, but I never liked picking Jake Paul, so I picked Nate Diaz to win. This is actually crazy. On verdict, the verdict community had it five rounds each. And the final score is actually point zero nine in favor of Nate Diaz. So I'm not going to say, Nate, maybe he got robbed. I don't think he did. I thought Jake Paul clearly won the fight. I actually did score it six rounds to four in favor of Nate Diaz. Maybe I was biased. Maybe I don't watch boxing enough. But I don't know. I just I don't care for Jake Paul. And I like Nate Diaz. Who, who doesn't like Nate Diaz, man? Nate Diaz is so entertaining. And there was a funny moment in the final round where Nate actually put him in a guillotine choke. Nate was trolling the whole fight, and I mean, no one actually thought he was going to knock out Jake Paul. I mean, Jake, Nate has no knockout power whatsoever. Does he even have a knockout? I think he has a standing TKO win over someone, but it is what it is. And Jake wants an MMA rematch for $10 million in the PFL. If I'm, if I'm Nate Diaz, I might as well do that. I mean, what's Jake going to do? All right, you can really just take Jake down and lock up a guillotine, and that's that. That's that. I really want to see Jake fight in the PFL, but uh, who knows who he'll fight next. Uh, could be KSI, depending how um, KSI's next fight goes, which we're actually going to segue into next. So, yeah, I go four for six on picks for the Nate Diaz. Jake Paul, event, RIP Nate. Come back to UFC, Nate. Fight Car McGregor. Fight Tony Ferguson again. Oh, he already fought Tony Ferguson. I can't believe that fight actually happened. It was it was a terrible fight. I can't believe I just mind blanked on that. Oh well. 
Nate Diaz, an absolute legend. Whatever he does, I'll support him. So, yes, uh, we do have some news on the next boxing fight for Logan Paul and for KSI having on in October 14th. I don't know if it's in Saudi Arabia. I do just know that uh, they have a fight going down between um, Logan Paul and a certain opponent and KSI and a certain opponent. We already knew, apparently, that KSI was boxing Tommy Fury, the only man to beat Jake Paul, younger brother of Tyson Fury. I, I don't remember when that broke. Must have just been so lame that it was under the radar. And KSI's always on the MMA hour with Ariel Hawani that he's always talking about stuff. So it must have just floated in the air. But yeah, KSI Tommy Fury is going to be one main event. It's actually, they're not even calling it a co-main event. They're calling it a second main event between Logan Paul. Drum roll, please. Da-da-da-da. The pull-out king. He's not getting any girl pregnant. Dylan Dennis, this guy. Oh, man, if no one knows who Dylan Dance is, all right, I, I don't blame you. I don't blame you for not knowing. I was actually a fan of Dylan Dance for a bit. He was a Bellator fighter, 2-0, two round one submissions, super good. He's a black belt, tattoos, he flexes cars. He, had, he was married to this, uh, not married, he had a girlfriend who was this, like, supermodel. Everyone was like, yeah, Dylan Dance is the man. And he never fought again. He had two fights in 2018 and 2019. And just hasn't fought since in Bellator. I believe he's actually still listed under the roster. He pulled out again. He pulled out in a boxing match against um, J- Jake Paul. Oh no, he pulled out against KSI. Actually, he's been linked to Logan Paul. He's been linked to Jake Paul. He's been linked to Tommy Fury. KSI. I mean, Dundas has called out essentially everyone. You can find him under any comment section on um, Instagram, and he's actually lost a lot of followers. This dude has become very, very irrelevant. And the one important thing about his fight against Logan Paul is there's a $100,000 pullout clause where if you pull out and it's for a non-serious injury, you owe $100,000, which I love. Well, take some accountability, man. I mean, you're supposed to be this super top top fighter, super tough. I mean, absolute jujitsu, ma- jiu-jitsu master. You'll beat anyone, fight anyone. And your most relevant moment is he's the guy who Khabib jumped over the cage and punched. All right? That's 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 who Dylan Dennis is. He is boys with Carmen McGregor, so if you see Carmen McGregor supporting him, don't be don't be shocked. But yeah, shout out to Logan Paul. I mean, I like Logan Paul now. I'll be honest, he is doing his thing in WWE, doing his thing on the pot and his podcast Impulsive, doing the thing everywhere. And, you know, all of his controversial stuff aside, you know, he does have kind of a bad view on God and stuff. But I, I do pray he comes around. You know, we shouldn't hate anyone for how they think. They Everyone is just raised certain ways. Life affects them. And they'll have to come to Jesus in their own terms. So I will look past that and accept Logan for who he is as an entertainer. And, you know, I wish him luck against Dylan Dance and I'll be rooting for him. As for KSI and Tommy Fury, I'm torn because I'm actually, I followed KSI for so long, man. I used to watch all of his videos. I don't watch too much YouTube nowadays, but man, his Reddit videos are so funny. The Sidemen videos, I mean, they still are funny. But Tommy Fury, I mean, the way he beat Jake Paul, he's undefeated. He's a Fury. I mean, his dad is so intense. Definitely trained Tyson and Tommy legitly. Definitely on them all the time. I just don't see KSI winning. But I do feel I have to pick KSI because I can't I can't be biased 
I'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, I want KSI to win, but I'm picking Tommy Fury. Because I do that all the time. That happened with Jake Paul and ideas. So I'm probably going to side with KSI. But we'll see. I mean, a lot can change between now and October. I mean, I'll be 21. I'll be an official adult, guys, all right? Maybe I'll, maybe I'll have a more grasp of reality in the world. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. But, yeah, super, super interesting gimmicky boxing fights. But, I mean, they're not even gimmicky anymore because... They have a full promotion. KSI does Misfits Boxing. I mean, Prime is taking over. However, the issue with Prime, that is the energy drink Logan Paul and KSI starters, I've actually been hearing it needs to be recalled, or at least the energy drink form of it, because it has very bad ingredients. And it is kind of, um, it's one of those things where it blew up super fast. I, I hopped on the trend of, trend of drinking some of it. I thought it was okay. Nothing spectacular. But, you know, when you kind of sit back and go, Okay, that actually blew up pretty quick. I maybe should have took a step back and waited a bit. Hey, it happens. And, uh, yeah. Not much more to say on that topic. We will move on from that. As for the Ryan Gosling, the top ten movies, I'm still working on finishing the big short. I've just been slowly watching it. It's a super good movie. It is edited on YouTube since it's rated R, so it's cut out a lot. So sometimes it skips scenes or cuts out swear words, which is just kind of kind of throws off the rhythm of the movie, but I'm almost done with it. Then I have like, gosh, three more movies to watch. Who knows when I'll ever make that ranking update, but you all know why you're here. All right, you're here to know who, who do I think is going to win this upcoming event? Who's going to win the main event between Vicente Luque and Rafael Dos Anjos? Happening August 12th at the Apex. I'm, I'm always, I always get pumped for these events. I was going to say, man, I'm super excited for this event. That'd be a lie. I'm excited for every single event. So, yes, Vicente Luque is back. He was suffering from brain bleeds after his loss to Jeff Neal, which is just a horrifying thing to even think about. I, uh, I'm i so thankful he's able to actually get back in the octagon. As for Rafael Dos Anjos, I mean... Look, is he ranked at lightweight? I'm pretty sure he is ranked in the lightweight division, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, he's ranked number nine, but he basically said in a interview today, yeah, I don't think I'll ever go back to lightweight unless it's for a big super name fight. So he's staying at welterweight. He's not even ranked at welterweight. But maybe he will be, because he's actually taking on the number 10 light uh, welterweight in Vicente Luque. So we've got a number of fights on this card. I mean, gosh, there is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 fights. Oh, my gosh. 13 fights. How am I going to have time to watch this? What time does this card start? I always like the uh, the cards that start early, like around like the main card starts at like 6, because I'm able to knock that out. Because when it goes late into the night, I'm kind of just like, oh, vibe killer. Five killer. I'll say that the UFC Singapore card going down August 26th, the main card, I believe, starts at 7 a.m. since it's overseas. So that's actually super exciting. I'm going to be able to wake up early and watch UFC. I've only ever done that once, which was for, gosh, it was when they were on Fight Island. I remember I had to go to work that day. I think it was at Cub or something. It was some buzzkill job. And I don't know. I'll stop rambling on and on. I believe the main card 
Pollard starts at, or the prelims start at three or something. I don't know. It doesn't even matter. We got 13 fights to cover, so without a doubt, let's uh, let's dive right in. Actually, I'm going to take a quick little break, then I'll be back to give you my predictions for all 13 fights, because we got a lot of them. And we have returned, and let's dive right in. Starting with Women's Flyweight, kicking off the prelims. Juliana Miller takes on Luiana Santos. If anyone, if no one knows who Juliana Miller is, she uh, won, I think it was season 30 of the, um, season 30 of the Ultimate Fighter on Team Amanda Nunes. It was for Women's Bantamweight. I believe she beat Brogan Walker by finish. Yes, she did. And uh, she lost to Veronica Hardy in her uh, next fight. This was in March of 2023. She's now back. She got brutally outgrappled. But she takes on the debuting Luiana Santos, who is 23 years of age, 5-1 and one record on a little win streak. I'm going to pick Luiana. Look, not much to say about this fight. The, these women fights are such toss-ups to kick off the prelims. Not even that entertaining from what I've seen. Hopefully it's entertaining, but I'm going to pick Luiana Santos. I mean, just like that, we've already moved through a fight. No need to linger on it. No need to... Go over like, oh, let's look at her previous amateur fights. No. We're moving on. At Bantamweight, Damon Blackshear takes on Jose Johnson. This is a notable fight as Jose is stepping in on under a week's notice. Jose had been on the Contender Series twice. He actually lost in 2020 on Season 4. Got taken down 12 times by Ronnie Lawrence. But on the last season, Season 6 last August, he would beat Jack Cartwright. I don't know if he earned a contract, but I know he just got a call to step in on short notice and take on Damon Blackshear. Damon coming off a big win over Luyan Lacerda. Before that, he I mean he had a draw against Yusuf Zalal and lost unanimous decision unanimous decision against Farad Bashard. But Farad Bashard is ten and a very talented bantamweight. Jose is taller than Damon by two inches. Damon has a one inch reach. Very a very equal matchup here, but I will be going with Damon Blackshear. I mean, I remember his last fight against Leon Lacerda. That was at uh, Fight Night, Kaikar France versus Albazi. He just looked dominant, dominant, had the takedowns going for him. I'll go with Damon Blackshear. Also, he's got a cool last name, Blackshear. I like that. Moving on to another woman's fight for the evening. In the women's strawweight 115-pound division, Jacqueline Amorim takes on Montessert Conejo. Jacqueline is 6-1. Montessert is 10-2. A 7-inch reach for Jacqueline and 3 inches in height for her as well. She lost her debut against Sam Hughes, unfortunately, back in April. But she's back taking on Montessert. Montessert coming off a round 1 loss to Amanda Lemos. In July of 2021, she got knocked out in 35 seconds. That's just crazy. From what I've seen from Alexa Kumar, who was coming off of a two-year layoff against Tanner Bozer, I will, without a doubt, be riding with Jacqueline Amorim. I mean, Jacqueline just fought, lost a, what was it, 29-28, 29-28. So she, she won one round against Sam Hughes. It looks like she won... The first round. So she won the first round against Sam. So if she starts strong, she could come out, finish Montessarit. So that's who I'm riding with. Jacqueline Amorim. I don't know too much about any of these prelim fighters, but hey, whatever goes, goes. 
Ooh, a heavyweight fight up next. And the winner of this could potentially take on Derek Lewis. I've seen people mention this name. Martin Boudet, who will take on Josh Parson. Both 6'4". Two inches in uh, reach for Josh Parson, but that's not much of an um, advantage. Josh is 15-6. and six. Martin is 12-1. and one. Josh is coming off a unanimous decision loss against Jamal Pogues. Gosh, I'm very happy Jamal Pogues. Um, was able to get a win there. He just lost to Mick Parkin. Jamal has a very good story. I won't linger too much on him. Josh, before that, had beaten Alan Boudot in a sloppy fight. Got dominated by Dante Mays. And, yeah, not much from Josh Parsons' UFC career that's notable. As for Martin Boudet, he is coming off of Season 5 of the Contender Series on a three-fight UFC win streak. Four, four fights, if you include the Contender Series, and probably some fights before that. He's coming off an April win over Jake Coley Air. Before that, he had beaten Lucas Bozijic. And before that, he had actually beaten Chris Barnett. So I'll be picking Martin Boudet. And honestly, for these first few fights, I can see Luis Santos winning by Namas Decision, Damon Blackshear by TKO, Jacqueline Amorim by Submission in round one. And I'm going with a Martin Boudet round one. Eh, not round one. Actually, yeah, we'll go Martin Boudet in round one, just because I want finishes, man. Going the distance can get so boring and repetitive, but I don't care, okay? I don't care. The prelims are the prelims. We still cover them because we're a UFC fan. And if I have a UFC podcast, I just can't skip some of these fights. I have to, I have to give my time to them. Such as our next one, at Featherweight, Francis Marshall will be taking on Isaac Dulgarian. Isaac makes his UFC debut. Nickname is the Midwest Choppa. I believe this is on short notice. I believe. I can't honestly recall. I mean, Isaac is 5-0. and oh. I, I don't know too much about Isaac Dulgarian. Let's actually do a quick little Google search to see if... Can we get a photo of Isaac? What's he, what he looks like so I can describe him to you guys. He last fought in February of 2022. He's 5'7". I got nothing. I got nothing. He takes on Francis Marshall. Francis is coming off of a loss to William Gomez by split decision. His first ever loss in the UFC. For that, he had a round two knockout of Marcelo Rojo. And he had actually got a contract off of the last season of Dana White's contender series. I think he did. It doesn't say on the UFC stats if they get the contract. So I don't know for sure unless I specifically remember. But Francis's only loss is to William Gomez by split decision. And by the looks of this fight, it was super close. Francis was winning the takedown battle. William was winning the stand-up battle. So you know what? We'll pick William Gomez by unanimous decision against um, Isaac Dalgarian. But I mean, Isaac is 5-0, so we'll see how he does. And there's just so many short-notice fighters on this card. It's just getting ridiculous. Ridiculous, but this one I'm excited for at lightweight. Terrence McKinney, that's right. The ever-exciting Terrence McKinney is back. He steps on short notice to fight Mike Breeden, I believe. Because I don't think Terrence had another fight. I believe Terrence is taking this fight on short notice. Terrence is, gosh, what is he now? 13-5. and five. Mike Breeden's 10-5. and five. Oh, it's very similar. Same height. Three inches in reach for Terrence is the only discrepancy. And he's five years younger. Mike Breeden. Lost in the Contender Series on Season 4. Got knocked out by Alexander Hernandez in his UFC debut. And then lost to Nathan Levy in 2022 in April. Got taken down nine times. He did, he did land over 100 significant strikes, though. 
but it looks like it was just. I mean, he looks like he he was able. To, wow, a dominant round three against my against Nathan Levy, landing sixty two significant strikes. I always like to look at the stats when I'm making predictions for each round, because you'd be surprised how fighters fall off after round one or round two, or the vice versa, how fast they start in round one or round two. Someone who's a fast starter is definitely without a doubt Terrence McKinney. He is currently three and three in the UFC. He got finished on the contender series after having a good round one. He beat Matt Frivola in seven seconds. That was crazy. Submitted fair as I am in two minutes. But this is where I talk about a fast starter. Against Drew Dober, he comes out right out the gate, almost finishes him in the first minute. Then in the next minute of the first round, a flip starts to occur, and in the final, in the next minute, so this was a three-minute long fight, in the next minute, in that little two-minute to three-minute mark, Drew Dober finishes him, knocks him down with a knee and finishes some punches. After that, he would submit Eric Gonzalez in round one. This is in 2022. Earlier this year, he got brutally finished by Ishmael Bonfim with a flying knee. And then in July, July 15th is when he last fought. So this is under a month turnaround for Terrence. Had such a good round against Nazim Sadikov. Was doing so good, I thought he was going to submit him. Nazim is able to withstand Terrence's down at round one. Comes back in round two and submits him a minute in. So it's very tough to see, but I will pick Terrence to submit Mike Breeden in round number one. I feel he can start fast, catch Mike Breeden off guard. But Terrence has got to be careful, man. He likes to burn himself out. And, I mean, he's called out some top guys before. And, honestly, I do not doubt him and Patty Pimlet could put on a good fight. Speaking of that, man, when is Patty Pimlet going to fight, guys? I have been waiting so long for Patty to fight. Almost a year. I, I guess December isn't almost here. But, I mean, he hasn't fought in over eight months. Doesn't have a fight booked yet. Who knows what's happening with Patty? Hopefully we get him in December against anyone. I will take Patty against a freaking a freaking bum. I don't care. All right. Moving into our headlining prelim before we talk about our six fight main card. JP buys is back. I believe he's stepping in on short notice to take on Marcus McGee. This is in the Bantamweight division. Marcus is seven and one. He's got a three inch reach. Well, actually, a two-inch reach, three inches in height. J.P. Buys is only 5'5". Five, five. I remember him fighting at flyweight. J.P. Buys is 1. Uh, actually, he's 0-3 in the UFC, 1-1 one one in the Contender Series. Took some time away from the UFC after getting cut in 2022. He is notoriously known for being knocked down eight times in his three UFC fights. Knocked out in two of those. His last fight, he got finished by Cody Durden in round one. That was in June of 2022. For that, Montel Jackson had dropped him four times, and before that, Bruno Silva had dropped him three times. Whew, wow, no chin. His nickname is Young Savage. It should be no chin. JP no chin buys. Actually, kind of has a ring to it. He'll be taking on Marcus McGee, who, oh my gosh, Marcus took a fight against Short Noah's against Journey Newsom back in April, got a round two rear naked chokehold, got the 50K bonus. I'm without a doubt picking Marcus McGee. And he landed a knockout in that fight. So if he has that power, I'm definitely going round one knockout against uh, J.P. Bye. So Marcus McGee, round one knockout is my prediction. I'm getting a little carried away with round one finishes here. But is what it is. So let's go back over the prelims. And then I'm going to leave them alone the rest of this episode. There are a couple good fights. I mean, starting off, Juliana Miller, Luiana Santos. We got Luiana by decision. 
Damon Blackshear against Jose Johnson. I'm going to go Damon by round one TKO. Jacqueline Amorum against Montessera Canijo. We got Jacqueline by round one submission. Josh Parson against Martin Boudet. I'll be keeping my eye on Martin Boudet, round one TKO. Francis Marshall against Isaac Dalgarian looks like another good one. I got Francis Marshall by, we'll say, round two submission. Terrence McKinney, I mean, I, I like Terrence McKinney, so I'm probably going to pick him a majority of the time. I'll pick him to meet, beat Mike Breeden by round one submission. And Marcus McGee is taking on no chin buys, so we'll go Marcus McGee, round one knockout. We'll see how the prelims are. They kind of start out bad and get better, but we all came for the main card. We always come for the main card. No one ever comes for the prelims, or else they would be on the main card. Huh? How about that? How about that simple logic that I've just told you, okay? We only have, gosh, what do we have? I think we have four ranked fighters on the whole card, which is Vicente Luque, Rafael Dos Anjos, Khalil Roundtree Jr., and Chris Dacus. But hey, you work with what you got, all right? These picks are all official. I'll write them in my book after I know that uh, fighters will all made weight and stuff. But if not, I'll go off of my prelim picks that I made on this episode, and I'll just write them in the book. So, kicking off our sixth fight main card. Hopefully, we can get no cancellations. Josh Fremd takes on Jamie Pickett. Josh Fremd, 10-4 and four professional record. Jamie Pickett, 13-9. and nine. Ooh. Josh has a 2-inch height advantage, 6'4 against 6'2. Jamie Pickett has the reach advantage, 80 inches against 76 inches. Middleweight is both of their natural weight class. We'll start with Jamie Pickett, who's coming off of a loss earlier this year against Bo Nickel. He got submitted in round one. Now, there was controversy with that fight as Bo kind of landed a nut shot, and after that just went for a takedown, took Jamie down, and dominated him. But I don't think that mattered because before that, Dennis DeLulin had finished him. Before that, Kyle Docks had finished him. He is on a three-fight losing streak. Been finished in all three. And looking at his... I mean, this guy fought in the Contender Series three times. Lost on Season 1. Lost on Season 3. Finally got a finish on Season 4. Got the contract. Then actually lost to a guy on this main card, Tafan Nchukwi. Then lost to Jordan Wright. Then he pick up two unanimous decision wins. For losing three times. So of his nine career losses, five have occurred in the UFC and two on the Contender Series. So Jamie Pickett has not had the best run historically. But he takes on Josh Fremd, who's coming off a win over Cedriquez Dumas. Got a guillotine choke earlier this year in March. Before that, he had gotten himself guillotine choked by Trayshawn Gore. Had lost to Anthony Hernandez. I think Josh is a pretty talented fighter. So I'm going to pick Josh Fremd. I don't know how. I don't know what method. I, I'm going to pick Josh Fremd. Well, is round one knockout too ambitious? I'm feeling ambitious for this event. We'll go Josh Fremd round one knockout. But I am confident Josh can get the victory here. Let's move on to another middleweight fight on this card. A.J. Dobson takes on Tafun Ninchukwi. A one-inch height advantage for A.J. And a one-inch reach advantage for Tafun. Tafun 6-3, A.J. 6-2. This is beautiful matchmaking by the UFC. Tafan is on a two-fight losing streak, unfortunately. Now, those losses are to Azamat Mirzakhanov and Carlos Ulberg, who are both two very talented light heavyweights. His only other loss is to Junyoung Park. So, I mean, of his three career losses, they're all against very valid competition. Like I mentioned, he actually holds a win over Jamie Pickett. And his last win came in September of 2021. And he is a Season 4 Dan White's Contender Series alumni. 
He takes on AJ Dobson, who's on a two-fight losing streak of his own against Jacob Malkoon and Armin Petrosian. Yet again, another Dana Contender Series alumni. I'm going to pick Tafon by decision. I just feel Tafon's fought better competition, and even though he's been finished, he's proven that he can strike with some of the best. That, that's all I really have to say there. This is this is just, just looking at the, the record, the stats, who they've fought, where they're at currently career-wise. UFC matchmakers do an excellent job. I would want to be a UFC matchmaker. And I feel like if it was my job to just research fights and make them, I could easily do that. Not, I mean, not easily, but I'd put a lot of effort into it. So, yeah, good matchmaker here. I'm going with Tafan in Chukwe. And he has a cool, funny, he has an interesting last name. Moving on to the women's strawweight division, our last women's fight of the night uh, features Poliana Viana against Yasmin Lucindo. Yasmin, born in 2002, my birth year as well. She is 23 years old. That's crazy. That is really crazy. Wait a second. She's not 23 years old. She's 21 years old. I'm an idiot. Yasmin, 20 years old. I was doing some bad math. Coming off a win over Brogan Walker. Before that, she'd had an amazing fight against Yasmin Jarugai, who's also a very Jarugai. I don't know. But Yasmin had a good fight against Brogan Walker, dominator. She takes on Poliana Viana, coming off a round one finish of Jin Yu Frey, finished her in 47 seconds. Poliana has much more experience. I mean, she is, she is a decade older than her. And, you know, she. She she is four and four in the UFC. Never really fought anyone. I mean, the most noble name I'm seeing is Tabitha Ritchie, who's currently ranked 14 at women's uh, strawweight. But you know, she's coming off a big round one TKO. She has one, two, three, four. All of her wins have come in the first round. Three of her losses by decision. One loss by armbar. As for Yasmin. I think we would go with Yasmin Lucindo. We'll say round uh, two knockout. I'm really liking Lucindo. I've seen both of her fights. She looked good. And that's all I got. She's 20 years old, and I'm she's 21. I'm 20. I turned 21 in October. So I can I, I just got to give respect to these young up-and-coming fighters who have managed to not only make it in the UFC, but hang with people in the UFC. I'm here for it. No, I'm here for it. Okay, let's move to our top three uh, fights of the evening. They've been perfectly placed as the final three fights of the card. And this this is honestly my personal favorite fight of the card. Khalil Roundtree Jr. versus Chris Dacus. Khalil is ranked 13th in the light heavyweight division. Chris Dacus is currently ranked number 14 at heavyweight as he drops down in weight. And I wonder what he's going to weigh, actually. I hope he makes weight. But we shall see. I usually... He's usually uh, kind of a smaller heavyweight. Um, he holds two inches in uh, height over Khalil. But other than that, very similar. I mean, 12-5 and five record, 12-6 and six record, so similar. They've had the exact same number of professional bouts as well. A southpaw and an orthodox, same age as well. Chris Dawkins is on an unfortunate three-fight losing streak. It's his own doing. As you know, he, can't, he comes in the UFC, finishes Parker Porter in round one. Finishes Rodrigo Nascimento in round one. Finishes Alexio Lank in round one. Just about finishes Shamil Abdurkimov in round one. Finishes him in round two. So now you're on a four-fight win streak. All finishes. All knockouts. Three performance bonuses. They feed you to a main event against Derek Lewis. He gets knocked out in three and a half minutes. Okay. It's Derek Lewis. Let's have him fight someone else. Curtis Blades. 
He gets knocked out in round two brutally. Okay. So you've been knocked out by Derek Lewis. You've been knocked out by Curse Blades. This one was just dirty. The UFC fed him to Jarzinho Rosenstruck last December. He got knocked out in 23 seconds. So he's taking some time off. He's taken eight months to the day that I'm recording this to get himself all amped up for this fight. I hope he, I hope he does well because, I mean, he's been fighting some absolute killers. But like I said, it don't come easier. They're feeding him to Khalil Roundtree Jr., who's on a three-fight winning streak. Two of those are by TKO. And, I mean, the Carl Roberson one is just brutal. Oh, my goodness. Drops him with a punch, lands a body kick, lands some other punches. Got him a performance bonus there. Khalil Roundtree. Coming off a win over Dustin Jacoby, he took him to a split decision. I thought he lost that fight. But after the after watching Dustin knock out my boy Kennedy, I'm now now very happy that Khalil won that fight. On a three-fight losing streak, he's had the most random UFC career. I feel like he should be a top five fighter, but just just how his career's gone. So 2016 debuts, gets out grappled by Andrew Sanchez. Follows that up, gets rear naked chokehold by Tyson Pedro after knocking him down in that round. Clearly a grappling disadvantage. Finishes Daniel Jolie and Paul Craig. He has a round one knockout of Paul Craig under his resume. How about that? Which has aged very well. And after that, he had a no contest overturned fight against Michael Olkajasek. Follows it up by beating the legendary Gokan Sakai. Finished him in round one. After that, he got elbowed by Johnny Walker. Not Johnny Walker knocked him out. And I believe, I don't want to say I'm, I, I don't know if there's a Misha Serkinov fight or this fight where Johnny Walker injured himself after getting a finish. I think it was the Misha fight. I can't recall. After that, he would land a record four knockdowns on um, Eric Anders, tied for second most of all time with a number of individuals. And then he would get finished by Ayan Kudalaba in 2019 with some elbows. So elbows are clearly his enemy. He'd take two years off, come back in January on the Poirier versus McGregor card at UFC 257, and would just get outstruck by, outstruck by Marcin Pracinio. Okay, comes back September 2021, has looked in amazing form since. A nasty leg kick finish of Modestus Bukagas, a brutal knockout Carl Roberson, and a tough fight against Justin Jacoby has him currently ranked number 13. And if you thought I wasn't going to have him knock out Chris Dawkins, you would think I'm silly. I do think that Dawkins will make it to round two. But I think Roundtree's going to overwhelm him. Maybe get just a body shot TKO or something like that. We'll see. But after this win, I'm looking up. Okay, with this win, I think he'll pass Dominic Reyes to 12. I'd even throw him past Osmond Rizikanov. And I'm looking at, like, Anthony Smith. I'm looking at Volkanos, Demir. I'm looking at those guys next for Khalil Roundtree. Of course, he has to get past Chris Dacus. And if I'm being honest, this would be one of the biggest upsets of the night because I don't think anyone's backing. Chris Dawkins, I mean, on the verdict global community, can I, can how do I see how do I see who everyone's picking? The most common pick is Clear Roundtree round one. All my friends on the app are picking Clear Roundtree in one. It's it's pretty unanimous who everyone's picking. So this is my personal favorite. I uh, this could be I think this is the people's main event. If no one knows what the people's main event is, it's never the main event. It's always just another fight on the card that everyone wants to see. And everyone wants to see the return of Khalil Roundtree Jr. And they put him in UFC 4, which I love. Also, UFC uh, 5. I, I heard some other things that they should add, which I completely agreed with. 
they should have more unique uh, walkouts. They should have doctor stoppages, which I don't know how people would feel about that, but I would like it. Maybe some eye pokes randomly in fights. I don't know how that would work. Mouth guards falling out. They would like post-fight interviews, um, cage side, um, like Megan O'Leary type people talking about the fight. Stuff like that. And to get rid of the goofiness of fighting online with like dressed up. I, I personally don't enjoy that, but I know some people do. That was just a little side thing I saw and I was like, I agree with what they're saying. Let's move into the Cobain. No more of my random rants I always go on. Cobain. Cub Swanson's back at featherweight. He takes on Hakeem Dawadu. Cub, a legend of the UFC. Legend of just MMA in general. Same height. Three inches in reach for Hakeem. So, I mean, 13 wins for Hakeem. Three losses. Cub Swanson, 28 wins, 13 losses. So, I mean, Cub, Cub has suffered as many losses as Hakeem has wins. That's crazy. Let's talk about Hakeem. He's coming off a loss to Julian Arosa. That was in September 2022. What happened in that fight? Julian outstruck him in round one. Barely outstruck him in round two. Looks like he outgrappled him. Dang. Julian just beat Hakeem all around. But, I mean, his only other loss besides that is to Mosvar Evlov. Hakeem, other than that, looks to be 6-3. and three. In the UFC was once a five-fight winning streak before he lost to Mosvar Evlov in 2021. He most notably has a performance bonus head kick finish of Yoshiniri Hori. I don't know who that is. And probably his biggest wins over Michael Trezano, which happened in February of 2022. He makes his debut of the year. Hasn't fought yet in 2023. Coming off a loss, so I'm sure he'll be looking to get that win back. Comes Swanson also making his first fight of this year. He dropped down to Bantamweight in October of 2022 and would get finished by Jonathan Martinez. Before that, in 2021, he had finished Darren Elkins. He had also fought Giga Chikadze, beaten Daniel Pineda, beaten Kron Grassi. I mean, Cubs fought them all. I mean, do we need to go back? I mean, this guy's been in the—he was fighting in the WEC in 2007, for goodness sakes. I mean, not to diss him. I mean, Jose Aldo once landed a flying knee on him in eight seconds— He's dropped unanimous decisions to Chad Mendez, Ricardo Lamas. He was actually once on a six-fight winning streak, which included wins of Dustin Poirier, Charles Oliveira, Dennis Seaver, Jeremy Stevens. He's lost. Uh, he's been submitted by Max Holloway and Frankie Edgar. He's beaten Duho Choi in a fight of the night, beaten Artem Lobov in a fight of the night. He's had a fight of the night lost to Brian Ortega, where he got submitted. I mean... He's fought in Al Moicano, Shane Burgos. I mean, Cub Swanson's fought just about everyone. But he is in the latter half of his career. I mean, he's 40 years old. He's 40 years old. And Hakeem will have that advantage in age. I believe Hakeem is like 32. I believe he's younger than him. So I'll be rocking with Hakeem. I'm going to go by round one knockout, honestly. I think Cub's chin is kind of kind of uh, falling off. I think Hakeem can hit hard and knock him out. That's who I'm going with. All right. Hakeem Dawadu by round one knockout. Feel bad Hakeem couldn't get on the Canadian card. He's one of the few Canadian fighters in the UFC. Without a doubt, let's get in. Without a doubt. Without any other delay, let's get into our main event. Before I begin, kick Rafael Desanjos off the lightweight rankings if he's not going to fight at lightweight anymore. His only wins are over Paul Felder and Hanamoy Kano in the last 
what, five years or something. That is for, um, uh, lightweight, that is. He, he, he's not, he's had wins at welterweight. Vicente, 21-9-1. Huffield Los Anjos, 32-14. Vicente has a 3-inch height and a 6-inch reach advantage. He is also younger. Huffield Los Anjos is 13-8 at the moment. Vicente is, gosh, trying to do math in my head. I believe he's 13-28, actually. I think he's 28 years old. Nope, he's 31. Okay, you know, I should write this stuff down beforehand so I'm not just trying to do math in my head and guess how old these guys are. But let's dive in, man. This is going to be a very um, interesting main event. It was certainly very random when it was announced. And I'm very shocked this isn't in Brazil. We have two Brazilians. This would be a perfect main event. It is what it is. Let's give a little tribute to Rafael dos Anjos. I mean, oh, I know why he left lightweight. He got knocked up by Rafael Fazeev. So, yeah, he is coming off a win um, in December against Brian Barberina. Bow grappled him and uh, submitted him in round two. But before that, he had been knocked out in round five by Hapel Fazeev. He had an amazing fight against Sonato Moicano. I mean, do do we want to go through his whole discography or his whole fight history? I mean, the Paul Felder fight, <laughs> one of the most odd fights. I actually did not see that fight. I have not seen Hapel Dos Anjos versus Paul Felder from uh, 2020. I did see the first fight I ever saw Rafael dos Anjos in was him losing to Michael Chiesa in January of 2020. But for that, I just knew of him as a former champion. I mean, he had beat, who was it, Anthony Pettis in a fight of the night. He earned a performance bonus. He then actually defended the belt against Don Cerrone. Hmm, I forgot about that. He, uh, he ultimately lost it to uh, Eddie Alvarez. He should have fought Carmen McGregor, but, you know, that's just how history works. And, I mean, he, he's been fighting in the UFC since 2008. A true UFC guy. Let's see. He holds wins over... Gosh, he owns Don Cerrone. Actually, he's beaten him, like, twice. Same with Anthony Pettis. He actually has, he's actually finished Neil Magny. Beating Robbie Lawler. Beating Kevin Lee. Went to decisions against Covington and Usman and Edwards. I mean, Dos Anjos is as legit as it comes. But this modern day, Dos Anjos beat Brian Barberina. Good for him. We'll see what's next. And, you know, being five foot eight, he's on the shorter side. But, hey, that's never affected him, right? Dos Anjos, since 2020, three and two. Happy for him. But he takes out Vicente Luque, who at one point I thought was going to be the next welterweight champion. I truly did. He was on a four-fight win streak um, starting in 2020. Finished Nico Price, finished Randy Brown, finished Tyrone Woodley. He was the last guy to beat Tyron Woodley in the UFC. And finished Michael Chiesa, which began the downfall. Michael Chiesa, who, uh, I don't even know if Michael's going to retire or not. Who knows what's going on with Chiesa. But then he would have a fight night against Bilal Muhammad and would lose. He would get out grappled by Bilal Muhammad. I couldn't believe it. Remember the name, I guess. In August of last year, he would fight Jeff Neal and just get brutalized. Oh my gosh, he got knocked out for the first time in his career in round three. He he may have won one round in that, but oh, it was such a shame because Vicente was doing... Ugh, man, Vicente was on the verge of a title shot. But you know what? This is where he kicks off his run again. Okay, this is where he kicks off his run. He's currently ranked number 10. A win like this could bump him up to 9, maybe yeah, probably 9. And then we can see where we go from there. I mean, Vicente Luque's been in the UFC since 2015. He's gone on four or five win streaks. His longest win streak has been six. 
In that span, he beat Nico Price for the first time, finished Jalen Turner, finished Brian Barberina, had a fight of the night against Mike Perry. Oh my gosh, he actually has a fight of the night loss to Wonderboy Thompson. I forgot about that. I mean, he's been all around, but he, he actually holds an impressive UFC record. His total UFC record is 14 wins, 5 losses. So he is he's won a majority of his fights in the UFC. And I don't think he will stop here. I truly believe Vicente Luque is going to beat Rafael dos Santos. He took a year off, beat beat his brain bleeding. You know, brain injuries are some of the worst. He was able to beat that. You know, I see this fight going two ways. I either see Vicente outstriking him for five rounds, or dos Santos landing a takedown in round two per se, and Vicente locking up the submission. I think Vicente's got this fight. I will be very sad. If Rafael dos Anjos wins, because I'm rooting for Luque, man. Vicente Luque, one of my one of my favorite fighters. And you know, whenever anyone asks me who's my favorite fighter, I honestly can't really think of guys like Vicente Luque because I just have so many. You know, when you watch the fight game so often as I do, you have multiple fighters. I could go weight class by weight class, and of the welterweights, Vicente Luque is definitely one of my favorite fighters. So we're going Vicente Luque by, gosh, on verdict I have by decision. I'm feeling a submission if I'm being honest. So we'll sell, we'll sell for Vicente Luque by round two submission. I like that. I like finishes, man. I think I have every fight being a finish on this card, but I don't care. I don't care, man. All right, let's recap our main card predictions. Josh Fremd over Jamie Pickett. Tafan and Chukwi over AJ Dobson. Yasmin Lucindo over Poliana Viana. Khalil Roundtree Jr. over Christakis. Hakeem Dawado over Cub Swanson. And my favorite pick, Vicente Luque over Rafael Dos Anjos. Really, really hoping that Vicente can get it done. I'll be rooting for you, man. Back in the main event spotlight. And talk about being on a two-fight losing streak and getting a main event. And who'd have thought Rafael Dos Anjos would get a main event off of a win over Brian Barbarina last December? I surely didn't, but I'll be tuning into this card. I don't know what time it starts Saturday. I think we said prelims maybe at 3, which I would be okay with. I mean, 13 fights. That's going to take a while, but that's all we got. And we come to an end of our UFC Extravaganza Galore episode. number Episode number 2 of UFC Extravaganza Galore. Th- these episodes will always happen whenever we have a certain like guest, a certain episode where we weren't able to cover a lot of UFC stuff. Or we just have a lot that's piled up. I'm working on what my next surprise topic should be. If you guys want to know, hit me up on any social media. We are currently working on getting YouTube up and running. I don't know how I'm going to record myself, but we are going to try and upload the audios. And that's all I got for you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Let me know who you guys are picking. What your guys' thoughts on my picks are. And I'll see you guys on the next episode. God bless.